Okay, here we are on July 14th, 2016 at the Science Fiction Club meeting. And we are talking this month about the book Trading in Danger by Elizabeth Moon, the first book in the Vada's War series. So we'll go around and see what people thought about it. Well, I suppose I'll start. I thought it was okay, and to be honest, I'm having kind of a hard time remembering what it was all about because I had a lot of other stuff going on in June. So I thought it was okay. The thing that spoiled it for me was that Kai was such a spoiled brat, (laughs) in my opinion. I did read about half of the second book, and she was starting to grow up and mature in that book, so there's hope for her, but she pretty much spoiled it for me. But as I said, you know, the author knows how to write and draw people into her novel and stuff. And I've read some of her stuff in Analog uh, many, many years ago. So I'm somewhat familiar with her. Well, I'll I'll go next because this, this is my choice for this book. I really do like this book, although... I have to say I read it again just because I wanted to see how it stood up after having read it once. And certainly it's no great fiction. It it was just pretty much um, apparently just exactly what I needed to read at the time that I read it and got so incredibly sucked in. But it's the fascinating thing to me about it is over the period of the whole set of books – Everybody in it matures and changes, and it's very nice. So um, I guess I never really thought about her as being a spoiled brat, Mary, but she certainly did have lots. She does have lots of growing to do, let's put it that way. I think this is working. Um, I actually liked the book. I read it a while back. Um, Ann Parsons had had suggested it at one point, so I read it. And um, to me, this was a a very, very soft science fiction book. And um, that, or uh, Kai was a bit, oh, immature, if you will. But you're right, she does grow up in the other books quite, quite well. Um, and her crew really does well with her. They handle her well. Um, I actually feel bad for her. She's so gullible. She's so, so, um, you know, easily taken, if you will. Um, I, I, I think that this is one of those books that should, I, I don't remember, is this for young adults? If it's not, it should be, because I think anybody can really read it. Well, I enjoyed the first book so much that I read the reread the entire series. The first thing I like about this whole series is our culture hasn't been destroyed. If, you know, you look at the books we've read in the past and it seems like, you know, um Human civilization has either been wiped out either by us or the aliens or a natural phenomenon. 
And I really would like some positive stuff coming out um, in my reading. The other thing is I could connect with Kai. I like the interactions with her crew. <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I don't think everything has to be hard science to be good science fiction. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm only disappointed that there aren't more series and more books like this out there. Well, um, David said it was so gripping. And when I started it, I, I found that there were parts that were rather slow um, when they got bogged down with all the things, talking about the trading and and stuff. And then there were parts where it speeded up with some action. But I must admit, apparently it was good enough for me to go on to the other books. I'm on the fourth book right now, and I understand there are five altogether. Um, so probably I will try to see how it ends. It's I miss the fact that there are no real aliens in the book. Uh, the only modifications are those humans, what are they called, some of the variants there. On the other hand, I like the technology. It was quite a bit of, I know Evan mentioned that he was interested in seeing how, hearing about the implants, and they had quite a bit of implants in their skull phones and stuff, so they had quite a bit of, of good technology, advanced technology there. And there was some other subplots, the, the, the whole thing with that big company and the, and, and the trade tree. And, of course, in a way, it's sort of simple, the fact that there are enemy are these pirates that want to take over all the, all, the, all the different systems and everything, which is perhaps a little bit simplistic. But I guess it was good enough for me to continue on to the fourth book. Well, uh, I was... I didn't like it. Um, I got to the end of it, and the plot did drag quite a bit early on, but I did stick with it because um, when the mutiny started, there was some suspense there. But um, I didn't like it very much. I was interested and intrigued when she got her implant, and I thought, well, now we're going to see some interesting, you know, interesting new ways that people will develop with their tools in the future, their mental augmentations and stuff. Well, that was good, but then she lost it, and that took away one of the only, about the only science fictional element that was interesting in the book. I mean, the ships and the the beacon stuff and the ansibles and all that stuff, was, there was no science fiction there, really. Those are just furniture to keep the empire together. I mean, there, there's really no new science fiction there, nothing imaginative. Um, um, I mean, there's no sense of wonder in the book at all. There's no aliens, there's no strange planets, there's no missing, vanished races, there's no interesting tech, I mean, the skull phones, I mean, that's just basically, you know, a phone that, you know, is implanted, but it doesn't, I mean, we never see them doing anything except taking calls, um, and um, it, 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 this takes place centuries in the future, and I get, I get riled up a little bit about this, because I talked to Lissy the other day, and I start going on, and she's mocking me, you know, talking... But this is centuries in the future. What happened? Where is the... I mean, the most advanced AI they talk about is, is piloting a plane. We can do that now. I mean, we're having trouble keeping our pilots' skills up because they fall asleep. I was just reading about that a few weeks ago in The Economist. Um, we can't even keep... The planes... The pilots are losing their skills because the planes are so self-flying now. 
Anyway, I just was very disappointed. The plot was moderately interesting, but as far as science fiction goes, there wasn't much to it. Agree. There wasn't too much science fiction, but my whole deal is, to me, it was one of those, like Marshall said, it was a fun book to read. Uh, it wasn't apocalyptic. It wasn't um, too technical. Of course, you know me, Evan. I love, I love anything, but I love technical and stuff like that. Um, one of the things I did like the fun part of it was, <laughs> let's see now, okay, I haven't read this in a while, but didn't she have a cake that I think her aunt made that had diamonds in it or something like that? Or am I talking about a different uh, book? No, no, that was uh, at the end of the first book. Uh, that was the last fruitcake because she'd given it out, remember, to the passengers as part of their rations. And the last cake that they, she opened at the end of the first book had the diamonds in it. And by the way, speaking of the humods, we never see any of them. She keeps looking for them whenever she stopped at Valenta or whatever, and then she stopped at the other planet, uh, Racine, or what the heck, I'm thinking Wisconsin, never mind. Um, she never sees any of them. I mean, this culture, I mean, you're thinking, how do people change in the future? How do they develop? How do they evolve? They haven't done it. They haven't changed at all that we've seen. Maybe they do in the later books, but I don't know if I'm going to get to them. I mean, this first one was, you know, 11 hours. I, well, I read it faster, though. Aaron Jones is pretty easy to read. And the book, you're right, um, if it wasn't a young adult, it should be, because it was, you know, the book was easy reading. So I was able to read it pretty fast, but we didn't see any Hue mods in there. The Hue mods appear later in the later in the series. Uh, in fact, there's some uh, indication of uh, prejudice against the Hue mods on some in some systems. You know, kind of like uh, segregation was in the South. No humods in this system. But see, there you go, uh, Leela, since you're the only person who's read these, the, the Golden Age Trilogy. Now there, you had a super imaginative science fiction, but it wasn't apocalyptic. It was actually quite utopian. The whole the whole point of the series was that Phaethon was wanted to shake things up because it was so complacent, but it was super. You, you can have non-apocalyptic positive science fiction with some more imagination to it than this has. I agree. That's why I think that this should have said, and I can't remember, it probably does. Mary would maybe remember, maybe not, I don't know. It should have said for high school readers and older, even, even, oh well, maybe not younger than that because I forgot there are some, uh, mm, some scenes that, not, not bad scenes, but not scenes young children shouldn't be reading I agree that there is not a lot of really genuine science fiction-y stuff going on in these books but for some reason or other they really just I find them very pleasant and I like I guess it was Marshall said if there were more of them I would already have read them too and um, I notice more this time that the first book is really almost like just a taste of what goes on in the rest of the series and we haven't even met probably 
well, at least three of the most um, important characters in the series that are even that are positive characters. I guess I would characterize them as. Um, yeah, I I understand your um, reasons for not liking it, Evan, and and actually I'm not surprised that you don't particularly like this the book. But you might try the next one just to see what you think. I'm pretty impressed with the way that she has plotted this whole series out to not just dump everything into the first book and everything else be just sort of um, dribble it out. It, it's a very satisfactory series, and it is packed full of interesting stuff that happens down to the last book, in my opinion. You know, now that I think about it, Deborah, you're bringing back my memories, Deb. Um, I think, Evan, that each book goes deeper into stuff. I don't know that I've read the whole series. If I have it, I'm going to. And I don't remember why I didn't, because I know I liked it. I think I at least... How many books are there? I think I read three. Maybe I read them all. I don't know, but I'm going to go look. Are they all unbarred? Yes, they are. And if you've only read three, you've missed the two best books. Hey, I will say two things. First of all, one negative and one positive. The negative was I still can't quite follow how she got kicked out of the military academy. I read it two or three times, and she she didn't spell it out. I, maybe I'm, I mean, I don't know why. I usually follow these things pretty well, I think. People ask me in these meetings sometimes what happened. But I still don't quite grasp what happened, how she got kicked out of the military academy. But the positive thing is, and I'll confess that this might not, but when she, uh, they mutinied and she shot those captains, I said that was the right thing to do. I had complete sympathy for her in that moment. I said, you can't let some people take over your ship. You are the captain. And I said, she was right. Um, as I understand it, she referred a kid that she thought was in spiritual distress to a, I guess you'd call him a pastor or a reverend, and it turned out that they used that as to place propaganda that attacked the Space Force. Now, why they'd throw her out for that, I don't know, except she didn't really follow chain of command. Uh, I thought that was a little unfair. And I I agree with you um, that, you know, the captain is the captain, and if you do something, if you're trying to take control of the ship away from the captain, you should be killed. That's part of what I found so engrossing in this book, is that even there at the beginning when she made a lot of stupid mistakes, she had flashes of real brilliance and never seemed in a situation that was under pressure to make bad choices, which um, which I think that's why I liked it so much and what really appealed to me about her instead of thinking as much about the spoiled brat in this part of it because she really, she really wasn't. Her brothers, I mean, you know, if you look, I mean... Her mother really was annoying in a lot of ways in spite of the fact that she was in a lot of ways a good person too. Um, but 
sort of you get more of that stuff as the book as the books go on. I think Aaron Jones is a good reader overall, but and I had to laugh at the very end when uh, that that overbearing Captain Furman is trying to order her around, and and she said, "Get that through your fat, stupid head." <laughs> was just great. I, I got knocked out of the room. Just came back in. I was going to suggest, since I'm already, <laughs> I'm already in the fourth book, that we continue to read the rest of the series for next month, um, just to bear out what Deb says that they, they do get better as as we continue on. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced they're young adult because in the later books. Two kids, and I mean by kids, I'm guessing teenagers, show up and start becoming major parts of the book. And also, you know, she was only 18 when she got kicked out. I'm guessing 18 when she got kicked out of the academy. So I definitely think it was a young adult book. um, Erin Jones fits this book perfectly. I actually like Erin Jones. I've heard... um, uh oh who used to do the narrator um interviews or whatever someone did an interview with her and the interviewee wasn't very good the interviewer wasn't very good i didn't think but erin just she was great and she was great for these books too I hope she reads all of these books because if she doesn't i'm not going to read any more of them I think she does, but I'm not positive about that. I don't remember there being a huge disjoint in the narration, but I may be wrong. Yeah, I'm on the fourth book, and she's and she's reading it. Oh, there you go, Leela. I would say that um, I would not be in favor of reading them because most of you already have read the rest of them or are well on your way to reading the rest of them, so it's kind of going to be... A bit of a, um, I don't know, it'll be kind of like books we've already read. Um, But, and uh, Mary and I are not really keen on reading further into it, at least not right now. Uh, But, of course, we go with the consensus, so we'll just have to see what happens. On that note, should we discuss the other book, or do we have any more to say about this one? I will say that uh, I wasn't here for the last meeting, Deb, but thank you for suggesting this book. Well, I have a suggestion, which I think everybody has seen me post about, and I will save that for whenever the appropriate time is to start talking about the next book. Um, But I'll say that the one I'm going to suggest, I was up all night last Friday night, and even into Saturday, I think I finally finished it about one in the afternoon. (laughs) I would be opposed to reading the entire series. That would be a bit much. Yeah, we never established, is it five books or seven? For some reason, the the number seven sticks in my mind, but maybe I'm wrong there. It's five. If that's the book you're thinking of, Mary, I agree. I haven't started it, uh, but I am interested in reading it, so we'll see what happens. If it's the one I'm thinking of, I'm I'm in favor of it, but we'll we'll see what other people have. Well, for those who have read them all, since we may, I don't know if I'm going to have, if we start a new book, I may not have time to continue reading the rest of them. I assume at the end she 
She destroys the pirates. She can't bring her parents back. The parents were killed in, in the second book, I think. But I'm assuming that she eventually wins out and, just, and kills those evil pirates. Does anybody want to shoot him? Ooh, I haven't read the whole thing. Don't go there. Don't answer, Deb. Please don't answer. Don't answer, Mary. Don't answer, Marshall. Don't answer. <laughs> that's why I said, does anybody want to shoot him? Well, but I think it's something you can guess that probably that's what's going to happen. That's almost the first thing that happens in the book, so he's not really done anything to him, too heinous. But, it, it yeah, it, it, things turn out well, and acceptably at least and there's a lot that goes on that was that was great you know what you did i don't even know if you realize you did it you answered his question but you got me hooked still not that i wasn't going to but if you had answered any other way like saying oh yeah it ends up well or yep you're right I would have thought, well, why should I read the books? But you you did it. You did a great job. You're very diplomatic. You're very you got me hooked again. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I've got a far out series coming up on Bookshare and I will write to the list as soon as the third book is approved. It's a trilogy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep you in suspense until until the third book is approved and then I will announce the list, but it's far out. I'm talking to you, Leela, especially because I know you you like that stuff too. It is awesome. That's all I'm gonna say. Like, like far out future or far out hard sci-fi or come on now, Evan. Far out future. Ooh. Ooh. Well, let's talk about the book that you're thinking about. Is that the one about the wall or whatever it was called that Mary was had mentioned on the list? Yep, it is Up the Walls of the World. It's DB16155. It's about 11 and a half hours, and I do have it on my stream if people want to hear. Um, even though it was recorded either in the late 70s or early 80s, I think what he did was he read the book jacket, and it gives a really good bit of information. I like the fact that it's not that long, so maybe I could try to finish the series and have time to read that, too. Yeah, I want to read that. Uh, if you could play that, then if other people have any other ideas, because we're still not, we, we still have time. It's not that late yet. Yeah, we'll play it. will you play it on your stream? On your stream? I'm actually reading. <laughs> I have plenty of sci-fi on my um, um, iPhone, and I'm reading the Uplift series. I'm on Infinity I think it's called and I have one more book to read Heaven's Reach and so far they're great and I'm also reading for the Fiction Book Club um, has anybody read Time and Again by ooh, who's it by uh, I don't remember I think Robert someone but it's not Heinlein of course I can't remember who it is though I think I've read that and I get it, and there's two books, and I get them confused. Is that the one that is set on, like, Mackinac Island, or is it a different one? And if it's the one that I really, one of those is fabulously good. The other one is pretty good. This one is, is I think you're talking about Time and Again. That's It's so far, I haven't read the whole thing, but it's about um, a guy 
who the government basically wants him to go to, they want him to make Cuba a part of the United States. Yeah, I've heard that before, and I, and it still doesn't distinguish between the two books very well. I think that that isn't time. I think, I think that's the one I'm thinking about. That it, it's set. Much of it is set in New York City, and oh my goodness, it is. I wouldn't really think. I don't really think of it as real science fiction in some ways, but it is a fabulous story. Mary, can you can you play play the the um annotation thingy on your stream thingy? Leela, you're so specific. She's also echoey. Okay, here we go. I hope this is loud enough. Up the Walls of the World by James Tiptree Jr. Copyright 1978 by the author. Narrated by Mark Heckler. This book was originally created for audio cassette playback. Any announcements concerning cassettes do not apply to this recording. This version contains markers allowing direct access to major portions of the book. James Tiptree Jr., the Hugo and Nebula award-winning author of some of the most spectacular science fiction stories of the last decade, has now produced a thought-provoking novel of SF adventure. Under the direction of a rather strange scientist, the U.S. military has secretly established a research project to investigate the powers of the mind and their possible military applications. For this project, a variety of people have been brought together, men and women who have shown signs of telepathic powers, the scientists who study them, and a discredited doctor, an M.D. addicted to his own medications who believes it's all a sham and a waste of money. Meanwhile, in the swirling energy fields of a distant planet, alien creatures learn that the very existence of their world is threatened by a huge interstellar being, which is progressing through the galaxy, destroying whole solar systems. However, this destruction seems to be part of a plan, as this being, which may be at least partly a machine, is creating a kind of fire line, a void between the exploding core of the galaxy and the outer stars to protect the outer systems from the explosion. The alien energy creatures, in an attempt to understand what is to happen to their world, attempt to project their thought waves outward to the vast interstellar being, but inadvertently they tap its strength and project the waves to Earth, into the minds of the people on the telepathy project. After this stunning occurrence is repeated several times, the minds of both the Earthlings and the alien creatures are captured by the vast interstellar being, which has by then become conscious and conscious of them. The result is a new mode of existence for the aliens and humans alike and for the vast godlike being. About the author. So you thought you uh, stayed up late to finish it, so I guess that has your endorsement then. It was mine. Oh my goodness. Now, what exactly is it called? Up the Walls of the World? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's Up the Walls of the World. It's DB... What did I say? 16155, I think is what I said. And, yeah, I intended to read the first couple chapters, and then it just took me away, folks. That's all I can say. I even had to cancel a Skype chat with my friends in New York on Saturday night because I was so tired. But, oh, man, what a book. Yeah, it does sound great. I, I'm really up for reading this one. 
Yeah, I agree. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, me too. Mar Mar Marshall, you're it. Well, I'll go for it, although I'm not sure I'm going to like it. Um, but I'll tr listen to at least start it. I can always erase it. The thing is, too, that it doesn't end the way that you think it's going to end. Um, it's upbeat and positive. There's a lot of change in it. And t sometimes the plot will slow down a bit because you learn how various people and various aliens are adapting to change. And that just absolutely fascinated me. So um, just be aware that it might drag a bit, but... Oh, man, what a book. <laughs> it was just, it was incredible. Mary, Mary, do you know if it's on Bookshare? It's on Bookshare, but it's, I believe it says excellent. Um, it's not publisher quality, and I wish it was. Well, I can check on that um, after the meeting. If I... If I uh, divert too far from this thing, then it seems sometimes I have trouble getting back to the controls for the recording. Um, so I can't check it instantly, but I can check it after the meeting and see what who did it. And that might tell me something about whether it's excellent or not quite excellent. I'll find out, though, and I'll write to the list right away. So uh, I'm just going to say that our consensus is... Uh, that we will read Up the Walls of the World by James Tiptree Jr. for our meeting, which will be on August 11th, 2016.